Hey church, I'm Todd, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and glad to be with you this morning. We're in part two of the new sermon series that we started last Sunday on Easter in the New Testament book of Colossians. Uh, This is titled Jesus Matters, uh, because Jesus matters more than anything, and Jesus matters to everything in our lives. Uh, last Sunday we were in uh, Colossians 1 and we saw the magnificence of Jesus, how great he is, and how he came, went to the cross, conquered the grave in his resurrection to reconcile us to God so that we could have a, a healthy, a right relationship with God. Uh, we challenge you, encourage the church this past week to be uh, reading through uh, Colossians. There's just four chapters, and we said, hey, we could do this in four days, Monday through Thursday, one chapter a day. On social media, we had some of our friends hear from the church uh, with uh, some video devotionals on there to encourage us in the Word. And so hopefully you were able to do that. Uh, if you weren't, hey, uh, this is a new week, and so uh, read through Colossians this week. Uh, it's a pretty short read, but very powerful. Powerful, uh, because we believe, get this, that it's not just a word, it's not just a suggestion. We believe that everything in here is the word of God, God's message to us. And we believe that it is not just information, not just suggestions, not just a good read. We believe it is useful and powerful and living and, and applicable to everything in our lives. So I encourage you uh, to uh, continue in Colossians as we're going to be there for the next few weeks. Today, we're fast-forwarding to chapter 3. So there's some Bibles in the seats uh, below you. You can grab that, find it on your phone. Scripture will also be on the screen, but we're going to be in Colossians 3. We're going to be looking at a pretty uh, good passage of Scripture here in length, and we're just going to be reading some and kind of breaking it down like, oh, what's going on here, and then, and then moving on. And uh, as we're getting ready to do that, you're looking up here on stage and you're like, you're like laundry. <laughs> and some of you are starting to breathe, breathe fast. Some of you are starting to sweat. You're like, ah! <laughs> it's everyone's uh, favorite chore, right? Okay. 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 But laundry. We are going to be talking a little bit about laundry today. And so, woohoo! All right. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. On your marks. Get set. Go. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, and let's just pause and think, okay, Jesus is able to reconcile us and, give, and, and put us in a healthy relationship with God. So our life is in Christ. So, so because of that, because of what we looked at last week, all right, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth, for you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Okay, let's stop. Breathe. What do we got? Our life is in Jesus Christ. True spiritual life in Christ. Jesus conquered the grave, and then, as we look here in these first few verses, we see that he is in heaven now. So that is the spiritual reality. And that is our true identity. If we are in Christ, then we are children of God. And verse 4 says that we're waiting on him to return in glory. 
So we are children of God now waiting on Jesus to return. And the scriptures here uh, tell us to then, since that's what's going on, we should set our hearts and our minds, we should be thinking about that spiritual reality. We should be thinking about heaven. This is uh, what we call the already not yet aspect of the kingdom of God. So we're already children of God, but we're not yet living with God in heaven. We're already forgiven of our sins, but we're, we're not yet free from the struggle that we have with sin. We're already in the kingdom of God, but we're not yet experiencing it in all of its fullness, which we will when Christ returns. So the big idea today, as we continue to look in Colossians 3, is, is to be bringing your present experience, like today, like this week, <laughs> what, what, we're, what we're thinking, what we're doing, to be bringing your present experience in line with your spiritual reality. In other words, if you are a child of God, let's let our lives look like we are children of God. And we're going to see that Jesus matters to ethics, to our personal behavior that's either right or wrong. Every day, Jesus matters to that. Let's continue reading in verse 5. So, because of this spiritual reality... Because of our identity as children of God, so, is the needle pulling thread? Okay. So, put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Whew! Had to bring up the three-letter word, S-I-N. And right here in these verses, we see example after example of sin, and and. And like, we get it, we know this stuff, we experience it, we know what it looks like, we know what it feels like. But these are just examples of sin. Sin, if we're thinking about what it actually is, this is a definition from, from Wayne Grudem, uh, a theologian, uh, author of Systematic Theology, which is a big, fat book, all right? And he says, sin is failure to conform to the moral law of God. Any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, in attitude, or nature. And then here we see some examples of that failure to conform. Now, we see sin every day. We see sin at school. We see sin in our community. We see sin at work. We see sin in the media. And we struggle with sin. We 
struggle with sin in our own lives. At home, we struggle with sin when we're out. And so because we see it, because we personally struggle with it, it might lead us to have kind of a permissive view of sin. Like, eh, not that big of a deal. I see it every day. I deal with it every day. Like, eh. And we might take kind of a light view of sin, but God doesn't. We look at verse 6. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. Well, let's think on that for a minute. And my mind goes to the Old Testament prophet Nahum. And he had a message of God's anger, of God's wrath because of sin. God's judgment was coming on a specific people group. And in Nahum, in the early part of his message, this is what he says about God's anger. Who can stand against his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. I get a picture of like a volcano, fire, and power. And so when we think about sin, and we might take it kind of lightly, God takes sin very seriously. And if we take God seriously, maybe we should as well. Several years ago, a couple friends and I were training for our first marathon. And about a encouraging one another, running together, that kind of thing. And about a month before the race, uh, one, of, uh, one of the guys had a knee injury, and so he had to pull out. And so we went on, uh, the other fellow and I, we went on and did that. But I, I told this guy, I said, hey, I owe you a race. You train with me, you push me, probably wouldn't have done it without you. And so I owe you a race. Whenever you're ready, boom, I'll be there. Well, he got a new job and he moved to Louisville. I called him, I said, hey, you found a race you want to do? Now he got a new job, he moved to Chicago. I called him, I said, hey, have you found a race you want to do? Now he got a new job, he moved to Seattle. I called him, I said, hey, have you got a race you're interested in? And he said, have you heard of Tough Mudder? I said, no, but I'm there. And so uh, me and another fella, we hopped on a plane and we landed in Seattle, all right? And uh, what this is, this was like a 10-mile run through uh, fields and woods, and then you've got these challenges where you're like getting electrocuted and carrying logs and jumping in mud pits, and you're like, you pay to do that? And uh, we show up for the race, and uh, this shaving company has like a little tent set up, and they're giving out uh, free mohawks, and I'm like, I'm there. And so I got my hair cut, uh, and then uh, I was uh, pre-race, our, our wave was the next wave up, and so I was getting ready for the race, uh, making sure I was, I was fresh, ready to go, and what that means is I was in the porta potty and... Uh, and, and I heard live and in person, TV personality and survivalist, Bear Grylls, uh, right out there giving a pep talk uh, to the competitors. And so that was cool. We did the race. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and then at the end, you are covered in mud. It's mud's all over the outside of you, and mud is also all inside of you. And so they've got these showers set up, and you can you shower and you strip off those old muddy clothes. They've even got a pile where you can throw the old shoes because you're like, those are never getting clean. I'm never wearing those again. And so you get cleaned off. How foolish would it be after you shower then to go back and put those same muddy clothes back on? 
Like that wouldn't make sense, would it? And that's what we're looking at here in Colossians 3. Bringing your present experience in line with your spiritual identity. In other words, spiritual reality. In other words, if you're a child of God, your life should look like it. And so that means since you're alive with Christ, eradicate whatever doesn't reflect that reality. And so we've got a chart here on the screen just kind of summing up what we read in verses 5 through 8. Put to death. Have nothing to do with. Get rid of. Verse 9 goes on to say strip off. All of this stuff that doesn't line up with who you are in Christ. Sinful things, evil desires, lust, greed, rage, dirty language. Just get rid of it and then don't go back to the dirty laundry and put that back on. Like you're done with it. Let's continue in verse 9. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Let's pause here. Uh, Verse 10 gives us just a great one-sentence summary of sanctification. And we're going to talk about that for a minute, or spiritual growth. And so salvation is God delivering us from the penalty of sin, God delivering us from the power of sin, and God delivering us from the presence of sin. We're delivered from the penalty of sin when we, by grace, through faith, receive God's God's salvation, the forgiveness of sins, putting our trust in Jesus who paid for our sins, took the penalty for us. We're delivered from the penalty of sin. The power of sin, God delivering us from the power of sin, is that's something that we're experiencing right now in this already not yet phase of the kingdom of God that we're living in, where God is working in us and and growing us and and changing us to look more and more like Jesus. And and this aspect is, is what we call Uh, sanctification. And then God delivering us from the presence of sin, that's what we're looking forward to with heaven when we'll be done with the struggle. We'll be done with it. But this sanctification is God working in us to grow us spiritually, to make us look more and more like Jesus. And there's an active and a passive side to this. So verse 10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed. So God is working in us, renewing us, changing us, transforming us as you learn to know your creator and become like him. And so if you're thinking about, oh, like, hey, let's go catch some big fish, and you're taking the boat to the lake, uh, spiritual growth or sanctification is, is not so much like having a power boat where you control the speed and you control the direction. You're like, hey, let's go check out this hole. No, they're not biting. Zip across the lake to another hole. It's not so much like that. Uh, spiritual growth is, is more like having a sailboat where we are completely dependent upon the wind. Now, we still set the sail, we still steer the rudder, but without the wind, we're dead in the water. And that wind in spiritual growth is the Holy Spirit God working in us. Uh, In Philippians, another New Testament book, it talks about this, and it says, uh, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, like active, but then the passive side of that is verse 13, Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So, so it's like we're, we're on this sailboat and we are reliant on God to work in us and to move us. We were just singing about that. Move us, to lead us, to grow us, to stretch us, to make us look more and more like Jesus, as Colossians 3.10 says. Let's continue in verse 12. 
since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, previously in this, it was get rid of, put to death, all those things that don't reflect the reality. And now we're seeing the flip side of that, the opposite of that. We've already gotten rid of those things that don't line up. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I love that verse 14. It says, uh, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And, and I think about the church. I think about the church community that we have here. And I believe that we're experiencing that. And it's such a beautiful thing. Because a church is, is made up of people that are imperfect. And, and so we annoy each other and we offend each other. Uh, the church is made up of people that have different ideas and different personalities. But when love is ruling, we can have unity. Because we can forgive one another. We can be patient with one another. We can be kind to one another. We can experience that unity and harmony. And it's such a beautiful thing. And I'm so thankful to God for it. I hope you are as well. So, bringing your present experience in line with the spiritual reality. Since you're alive with Christ, not only are we going to eradicate those things that don't reflect, but we're going to incorporate whatever does reflect that reality. And so we see the chart here, uh, clothe yourselves with. And in Romans, it actually says, clothe yourselves with Christ. The Word of God just says, just clothe yourselves with Christ. And here in Colossians, we've got character traits of Christ. And so it gets, it gets kind of detailed here. Clothe yourselves with mercy, with humility, with patience. Just as every day... We've got opportunities to lust, and every day we've got opportunities to be, have rage and have filthy language and, and sin in whatever way. Every day we also have opportunities to be kind, to be patient, to show love, to clothe ourselves with Christ. These are the shirts that we give out at baptisms, and they say, I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. And, and that decision isn't just a one-time decision. Uh, that isn't just something I've decided to follow Jesus so that, so that I'll be delivered from the penalty of sin, but it's, an, it's, it's, it's a new life. And so every day we're deciding, and, and we're I'm following Jesus on Sunday and on Monday and on Tuesday and so on. We're clothing ourselves constantly with Christ, right? With the character traits of Christ. So how do we do this? How do we eradicate sin and keep from picking it back up? Because it, it's a struggle. So how do we keep from picking it back up and, and living in that sin again? How how do we incorporate the character traits of Christ day after day? And, and not just be kind. It's easy to be kind once. It's easy to be patient once. But, but how, how do we continue to live in patience when someone keeps testing it? <laughs> how, 
How do we continue to be kind when the folks aren't kind to us? They're like, bring it back. How do we do this? We need a game plan. All right. Game plan. If, you, if, you, if, you're, trying to, uh, if you're trying to do something in a sport, you've got to have a game plan. You've got to have some plays drawn up. How are we going to keep our opponent from scoring? How are we going to score? And so with this laundry, this applies to all of us, right? This is applicable to all of us. But if we're actually going to do something with it, what's our game plan? Here's a simple three-step game plan that we could all apply uh, in our lives. And I'd encourage you to take a picture of the screen when we put it up, uh, type some notes out in your phone, or write some notes on the Connect card and keep it with you uh, so that we can, we can apply this. All right? Here we go. Uh, three-step game plan. Number one, identify. Identify. We've got some, some, some of these sinful behaviors listed here. In, in verses 5 through 8. We could say, I want to get rid of all that, but let's get specific. Let's identify one of those examples there that maybe we struggle with. And let's say, I want to be done with that struggle. I want to quit picking that back up out of the dirty clothes and putting it on. I want to be done with it. Identify that. Identify as we also read the character traits of Christ, identify one of those, and you're like, I want to grow in this area. I want to become more kind. I want to grow in humility. Identify one of those. We're going to have a game plan. Let's be specific, so identify. Step two is your plan of attack. Okay, how are we going to, we, we said it, but how are we, what are we going to do to prevent ourselves from picking that back up tomorrow and struggling with that sin again? Uh, and, 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 and the same goes for the, for the positive as well. Here's some, some just suggestions. Uh, maybe one of them you're like, yes, that will help me. Uh, maybe you think of some others, but here's a few just suggestions. One is, where are you when you struggle with this specific sin? Is it, I struggle with lust late at night or when I'm alone? All right, well, come up with a plan for that. I mean, give yourself an earlier bedtime uh, or, 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 or put, a, put a action, some other action plan for something you're going to do right before bed. Change up your routine there. Uh, uh, think, think about when, when you, where you're at. Maybe it's when you're with certain company that you struggle with this language or, 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 or so on. Where are you? Uh, maybe it's that you struggle with rage when you're really just hungry. <laughs> And so, so you're like, hold up, I'm losing it, I'm losing it. Oh, wait, I haven't had dinner yet. And so, like, you know, keep some granola bars in your pockets or something. I don't know. But, uh, but come up with a plan of attack. Uh, another, another thing is, is you could have, like, a fighter verse. And Psalm 119 actually says, the Word of God, it's so useful. Psalm 119.11, and true, it says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So God has given us his word, and, and, and it helps us keep from picking this back up. And so maybe you find a fighter verse, a Bible verse that, that applies to your situation. You're like, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to slap it on my mirror. I'm going to read that you know, each day to remind myself of that truth. All right. Uh, another one, if you're thinking about about your plan of attack for incorporating 
character traits of Christ in your life, I would encourage you to brainstorm. What are some opportunities I might have to show, let's say, if, if your, your word there is kindness that you identified? What are some opportunities I might have to show kindness every day? Well, at work, I, should, I could show kindness to this coworker by helping them you know, on this task or this project that they do every day. At home, uh, I could show kindness by, by giving words of encouragement to somebody else that lives there at the house with me. And so, so come up with a list of, 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 of opportunities you have, and then guess what? You know, on Tuesday, you'll be thinking, like, oh, this is one of those opportunities for me to show kindness. And then on and on, it'll become more just natural for you to show kindness as those opportunities are before us every day. All right, that's step one and step two in our game plan. Step three is support. Who are you going to tell? Who is going to encourage you, uh, encourage your growth in this area? Um, a couple years ago, uh, Mark Giese, uh one of our HD friends here, uh, he and I were encouraging one another to be in the Word of God and to pray for one another. And he said, he's a military veteran, and he said, oh, this is like having a battle buddy. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but, but yeah, like I don't have the military background, but yeah, it's, it's, it's like a battle buddy. So, so who is someone, a trusted Christian friend you have, uh, someone that you'd be like, yeah, I can tell them I want to grow in this area, and they're going to encourage me. Uh, so, so, identif- uh, so, so find some support there. Maybe it's the HC group that you're a part of, and you're going to tell them, hey, this is my game plan. Hey, guys, please be praying for me uh, as, I, as I look to grow in this area, as I set my cell, uh, and, and so I can be moved by the Holy Spirit and transformed and renewed by God in this area. So that's our game plan right there. The big idea, bringing our present experience in line with the spiritual reality with our identity, identity as children of God, because if we're a child of God, we should live like a child of God. But first things first, what is your identity? What is your spiritual reality? Are you a child of God? Because none of us are a child of God because we're good. None of us become a child of God because we're really religious. The only way we become children of God is... Through Jesus Christ, who took the penalty for our sin on the cross and then conquered the grave. And if we trust in him and who he is and what he's done for us, giving him leadership, authority in our lives, then yes, we become children of God, adopted into the family of God. And then that next step then is to live like it, like we've been discussing today from Colossians 3. I would encourage you uh, today and then as we leave, as you think about responding, to answer that question, what is my identity? And then if that's settled that, yes, I am a child of God because of Jesus, then what is my game plan for growth? Let's pray. Almighty God, we believe that you exist, and that is why we are here today worshiping you together. We believe that your word is true. We believe that it is useful, and that's why we're looking at it right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, 
God, strengthen our faith, grow our faith, continue to transform and renew us as individuals and as a church. In the name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior, we pray. Amen.